What right do we really have to Israel? Bari Our claim to Eretz Israel is a complex one and an important one to understand, not only from the perspective of the rights that we have to Eretz Israel, but equally important is the obligation that possession of Eretz Israel imposes upon us. This year, which once again, for the week of the Shiva, I'm dedicating to the memory of Bradley Waxman. This year, we're going to take a different approach, and I'm going to start with something right disconnected from the Daf. And this idea of Kudushat Eretz Israel, of the sanctity of the land of Israel. And then we'll come back to a comment relevant to the Daf made by Moshe Feinstein when he was in his 20s which will explain an idea on the daf, and with that also explain this complex idea of Kedushat Eretz Israel. We start with the Rambam in Hilchot Trumot, the laws of, of Truma, where the Rambam says, Eretz Israel ha'amura b'chol makom. What is Israel? Let's start with what is Israel, before we even look at the, at the, at the boundaries. What is Eretz Israel? It's any place, kivshan melech Yisrael or navi midat rov Yisrael, any territory which has been conquered by a king or prophet of Israel with the permission, with the uh, authority of the nation. So it needs national consensus and the conquest of a king or a prophet. This is called kibush rabim, public con- conquest, where the land has been conquered by the, by the Jewish people. But if a family or a tribe, a group of settlers, takes a piece of land, even if it's part of the land that was given to Avraham initially, a non-Ikrai Eretz Israel. That is not called Eretz Israel. This is quite amazing, because that means that, that our rights to Eretz Israel don't come from what Hashem gave to Avraham. That, that's an important piece of it in the, in the background. But what's considered Eretz Yisrael, what is Eretz Yisrael? How do you define Eretz Yisrael? Eretz Yisrael is that land that obligates us to specific mitzvot that are unique to the land of Israel. That's what Israel is. Israel is, land, is defined by our obligations, not by our rights. That's a whole new perspective altogether to understand. What are our obligations? What obligations are there? Trumot, umasrot. You've got to tithe, you've got to take from the produce of Eretz Israel and sanctify it and give it to the Kohen. That's something that we do until this day. And you find people who are very quick to say, oh, I don't have to take Trumas and Meisters. Has Trumas and Meisters already been taken? I don't have to worry about it. But that's what Israel is. That's what defines Israel. Why wouldn't you want to be involved in that mitzvah? That's what makes it Israel. To, to not be engaged in Trumas and Meisters and be a, an, an Israeli nationalist that's nationalism. That's not. That's not Torah. Torah is what. What is the area of Israel which is a which has kedusha requiring me to observe all the mitzvot of the land of Israel. Because of this, Yoshua dished out the whole of Israel to the tribes, even though it had not yet been conquered, he allocated it to the tribes before the conquest, so that when, in the, in the time of the Tanakh, in the time of the Bible, each tribe would go and conquer their territory, it would already have been allocated to them. So it would be a kibush rabim. All 
all of Israel, which was given to the people who came out of Egypt and came to Eretz Israel in the time of Yeshua, and we were given this land, once it was conquered by other nations, it lost its Kedusha. We think of Israel as something that has, has permanent Kedusha. Because that first phase of possession of Israel from the time of arrival after the exodus from, from Egypt until the second return from, from Babylon, the time of Ezra, that whole period of time, the Tanakhic time of Eretz Israel, was only as long as we were here. If we lost a war and Eretz Israel was taken from us, it lost its kudusha. You no longer had to do trumas and maestros and, 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 and shviz didn't, didn't apply. Israel lost its kudusha. This was the land that Hashem gave to Israel. No, we need to understand there are two types of kudusha. There is a kudusha which comes from Hashem. For example, the kudusha of Shabbat. Whether you declare Shabbos or you don't, whether you make kudusha or you don't make it a Shabbos, a Shabbos, you, you can't add to it, you can't detract from it. But when it comes to Yom Tov and to Rosh Chodesh, these are things that we are engaged in giving Kedushah to. We decide, the Bethlehem decides when exactly Yom Tov falls, when exactly Rosh Hashanah falls, when Yom Kippur falls, when all the Chagim fall. So we see there are two kinds of Kedushah. There's a Kedushah infused by Hashem Himself, and there's a Kedushah, there's a sanctity infused by human beings. The Yerushalayim and the Beis HaMikdash is a sanctity, the Rambam explains in Hilchos Beis HaBechira, given to us by Hashem. Hashem makes Jerusalem holy. So Jerusalem's sanctity is there. That's none of you, you can't take that away. Nobody can take it away. It's always holy. That's, that's the Yerushalayim and the Makom Beit HaMikdash. But the rest of Israel, that's a Kedushah that has to be given to Israel by human conduct. It's not automatic. It's not just because Hashem gave it to Abraham. And when we gained access and possession of Israel through conquest, we can lose it through the conquest of others. And then it, with that, we lose its Kedusha. Amazing idea. When Ezra came back from Babylon and reclaimed and repossessed Israel, he did so with a Kedusha Shniya, which was permanent, different from the one that Yeshua did. Why? Explains the Rambam in Because the first one was because Kibush Rabin Vekivan Shinil Batela Kibush. If you possess Israel through conquest, you lose it through conquest. And if the Kedusha comes because you occupy it through conquest, the Kedusha is lost when somebody else conquers you. But however, Ezra didn't use conquest. There was no war when Ezra came back to, to Israel. They moved in. They occupied the land. They settled the land. They lived in the land with the permission of the Persians who owned the land at that time. The Kedusha of Ezra is permanent. And even though we've lost Israel in the interim, and it was uh, dominated by the Turks and, and by the Crusaders and, and by the British, it doesn't matter. The Kedusha remains there from the time of Ezra. 
So if you want to say, what is our right to Eretz Yisrael? It doesn't go back to Avraham, despite the first Rashi on the Chumash. If we look at the real Kedush of Eretz Yisrael, it doesn't go back to Avraham, to God giving the land to Avraham. And it doesn't go back to our ancient biblical rights when we came with Yeshua. It goes back to the time of Ezra. That's what really gave Israel the Kedusha, which we still have in Eretz Yisrael today. And therefore, we're, chayef, we're obligated to do truma, maser, all the agricultural laws. Whether or not we're physically in possession of Israel, that Kedusha remains since the time of Ezra. Ask the Radvaz, and a beautiful question. The Radvaz was uh, one of the people who were expelled from Spain in 1492 and, and uh, came to Tzfat. Lived in Tzfat for a while and then went to Egypt. He was at the Rov and the Dayan in Egypt for about 40 years and was the Rebbe of the Shittimukubetzis, a very important authority that Radvaz and writes a parish on the Rambam. The, Ram, the Radvaz asks, why didn't Yeshua do what Ezra did? Fine, he, ca- he conquered it. Understand, there had to be a war. But then do it. Kedushat Chazakah, do, do what Ezra did. And he answers because he wanted to He wanted to enable periods of time where you wouldn't have to worry about Shemitah so that poor people could, could exist. He foresaw what was going to happen, that there were going to be times when Israel wasn't under our control, but there were still farmers here, there were still people here. Now they've got to worry about Shvius as well. They've got to worry about the Shemitah here. So he specifically didn't give it that level of Kedushah so that there would be periods and places where Shemitah didn't apply. And, and to an extent, that's still used in parts of Israel today. That's the Radvaz. Ask the Kesef Mishnah. This is the Mechaber, the Rabbi Yosef Cairo, the author of the Shulchan Aruch. I don't understand in the Rambam, he says, why Chazakah is a greater level of Kedushah than Kibush. Then the day you conquer, now you're living in the land. Why is occupation without conquest, a stronger form of Kedushah, a more permanent form of Kedushah than possession with conquest. It doesn't seem to make sense to me, says the, says the case of Misha, and he leaves it as a kasha. He doesn't answer it. Now let's go to Al-Gemara. Al-Gemara deals with an interesting view of Rav Huna and Rav Yehuda that we find here and we find in many places of Shas, and we'll have it in, in, in Ezekiel still many times. And that is, Itmar, Maneli I come to you and say, you owe me $100. And you say, you know, I just don't remember. Perhaps I do. I just, I don't remember the circumstances. Rav and Rav Yehuda say, you have to pay me. I've got no proof. You've got the $100. I want to take it from you. Normally we say, if I want to take it from you, I've got to bring proof. I say, you know, I don't have any proof. But I just remember and you're not 100% sure. We call that, says the Gemara, Bari Veshema and Bari Adif. If one person has a certain, a certain claim, I know for sure you owe me $100. And the other person says, I'm not sure. He doesn't say, I know for certain I don't. He says, I'm not sure. Then you have to pay up, which is very difficult to understand. Why do we not stay with the principle of You've got a chazakai, you own it, you possess it, it's in your possession. That means I can walk into your house and say, let's go back to the Rolex watch. The Rolex watch on your risk. Ah, I'm so pleased to, to see that you've still got it. You remember, I, I lent it to you. You wanted it for a party. And I was happy to lend it to you. Please give it back to me. And you say, no, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember that. And I would say, do you, do you remember the party? And I just go, yes, I remember the party. 
Do you remember that we talked about having a smart watch because you really wanted to show off a little bit? He says, yeah, I remember that conversation. Do you remember me giving you the watch? No, I don't remember that. Well, I do remember it. Please give me the watch. That's the din, according to Rav Yehuda and Rav Huna. Why is that so? Why do we ignore the Chazaka? Rav Moshe Feinstein writes a beautiful letter, wonderful discussion to his friend. What is really interesting is when this was written and who his friend was. His friend was Rav Shach. And this was in the 1920s. They were both in their 20s. Rav, Rav Moshe Feinstein was already the Rav of Lubyan at that time. And Rav Shach was learning in Slotsk. Who was the Rosh Hashiva in Slotsk? Remember I told you yesterday about Rav Issa Zalman Meltzer. Rav Issa Zalman Meltzer, who my father didn't meet, was the Rosh Hashiva of Slotsk. He founded Slotsk. And the, the, the Talmudim of Rav Issa Zalman in Slotsk were all the, the later great Rosh Hashivas. Rav Moshe Feinstein was there. Uh, Rav Shach was there. There were many, many people who were in that yeshiva learning with Rabbi Zalman Meltzer. Later, Rabbi Zalman came to Yerushalayim, and his son-in-law was Rabbi Aaron Kotler. Rabbi Aaron Kotler took over the yeshiva and later moved it to Kletzk, but that was the, that was the yeshiva. So, so learning in this yeshiva was Rav Shach. At age 26 or, so, or 27, Rav, uh, Rav Moshe Feinstein writes to him about the whole issue of Bori Vashema, the view of Rav Yehuda and, and Rav. This very, this very piece of Gemara, it doesn't refer to this Gemara, but elsewhere, where they have this Machalikis. And Rav Shach had suggested why the Chazakah doesn't work in this place. And Rav Moshe Feinstein puts paid to Rav Shach's reasoning very quickly and suggests an alternative way of understanding it. And he understands it and says something amazing. He says, Bari v'shem bari adif, this idea of if you have a, a, a claim for sure and a claim that may be claim, if that's all you've got, then the for sure claim is, is greater. But if you've got a chazoka as well, then, then the chazoka should work. However, if you've got a chazoka, but you're not sure how you got it, that's different. So, You've got a chazaka, the Rolex watch is on your wrist. And I said to you, so where did you get the Rolex watch from? Can you remember where you bought it? I don't remember where I bought it. Do you remember how you got it? No. Is it possible I lent it to you? It's possible. You are in self-doubt about your chazaka. Says Rav Moshe Feinstein, chazaka is not just a state of being of an object. Chazaka is also a state of mind of the subject. Chazoka doesn't only mean I have possession, it means I know where that possession comes from. I'm confident about my possession. And if we take that understanding of Chazoka, and if you don't have confidence, says Ramosha Feinstein, it's a weakness in the Chazoka. You don't have a proper Chazoka if you're not sure where it came from. It's not good enough to say, we're here, we occupy the land, it's ours. And where did you get it from? Well, kind of, you know, there was this, that, that weakens the Chazoka. You've got to know where it comes from. With that, we can understand the Rambam and answer the Kesef Mishnah's question. Because the Kesef Mishnah says, why should Chazaka be stronger than Kibush? When you conquer the land, and I say, the land yours, yes, I conquered it. And where is it now? Well, now it belongs to the Turks. So what happened to your conquest? Your self-image is weakened. When your right to the land is just through conquest, you always have in your mind, but somebody else could be stronger than us and take it away from us again. It's not the same as when it's Chazakah, when you say, what do you mean, I, this land is mine? Because we've always lived here. This land is mine because the Persians gave it to us. There wasn't a war, there wasn't a battle. The king of Persia gave us this land. 
And since that time, there have always been Jews living here. There's always been a Jewish presence here. That's why we've got it. That's Kedusha Olamit. To know, to understand the source of your possession, not just the rights of your possession. Now, if history started in 1948 with the Belfort Declaration, we would have a problem with the West Bank, for example, because that's by Kibush. We conquered it. The rest of Israel was through Chazoka. It was given to us. And we have a strong claim to it. But the West Bank was from conquest. And we have difficulties with it. But of course, history didn't start in 1948. How far back do we go? And everybody talks at the moment, everybody's talking, when does history start? How far back do you want to go? And, and we often answer, we'll go back to the time of Abraham. No, 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 that's not the time to go back. That's Abraham, that, that's a different story. That's a private relationship between God and us. And God himself t- says there will t- be times when we lose Israel. The time to go back to is Ezra. The king of Persia, at that time, the United Nations of the world, the most powerful body of the world who ruled over most of the civilized world at that time, gave Israel to us. And since that time, we've always been here. We've had our ups and downs, but since that time, we've always been here. That's Kedushat Eretz Israel. That's why, whether it's West Bank or it's Yodav Shomron or it's the rest of Israel, our rights to it come from the Kedushat, Kedushah Olamit, the eternal sanctity that was given to Israel from the time of Ezra. And if we look at the Tosfus Yomtev in Edges, there's a Tosfus Yomtev that seems to say something similar in his t- attempt to answer the case of Mishnah's question. And he says, because lo ata kibush umavatil midaat hanoten. Conquest is unilateral. And so if another country unilaterally takes it from you, you've lost it. But chazakai is bilateral. This was given by consensus of the world. And at the time of Ezra, Israel was given to us by, by consensus by the leader of the world at that time. And we've been here ever since. That gives us a strong sense of identity. And I, I put out a, a short video which you should have a look at, which is a summary of the Shabbos morning shir. In the sense of one of the things that I'm concerned about at the moment, particularly with young people, is that people lose their sense of right to Israel. We, we're bombarded constantly with everything we read and hear, and, and kids themselves and adults are beginning to say, oh, did we really have a right? And is this really is what we're doing right? And so on and so forth. Our self-confidence gets shattered. And it's very important that we affirm what we do have rights to and what we don't have rights to, and we know where those rights come from, and that our rights to Eretz Israel are not because of kibush. Our rights to Eretz Israel are because Eretz Israel was given to us by the world in the time of Ezra, and we have been here ever since.